LLJ Cool JR. For night two or day two of the Luchi. Yeah! Night two, night two, night two. Get it? Get it? Get the echo, the echo, the echo. One two, one two, one two, one two. Here's Mario, Mario. It just never gets old. <laughs> it never gets old. It never gets old. I feel like we never left, all right? I am the heel that seals the deal, the Bill State Chill, the anti-hero of the IWC. Your boy, Mr. Radar. Yeah. And my co-host for night two of the Lucci Awards. He's the analysis of the L. Oh, C. He's the man that put the honor back in Ring of Honor or probably killed it. He's a straight shooter on Twitter. And when it comes to wrestling, he has a radar from the mean streets of Long Island. Long Island. Island. Most magical place in the world that is going to be hosting World's End. Oh, yeah. What's up, Mario? I, I feel I, I feel like we never left either. I mean, did we even leave? I don't know. I don't know. Who's to say? Maybe we never Who's left. To Who's to Listen, we put on the same clothes, you know, or, or I don't know. Kayfabe, people. Kayfabe. <laughs> Who's to say? We should have we changed. We should have we should've... changed. You know, <laughs> well... Listen, how the how part one started with like the audio not working or anything like that. Restarting uh, the computer. Restarting the computer. I am totally fine with people <laughs> like, are they wearing the same clothes or they just recorded this in one shot? Because no. feel the, we wouldn't do that, right? KFA people. Oh no. We don't love you guys that much. Come on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Great way to start <laughs> night two, Leo. Hit pull my values up, please. Dale. <laughs> All right. So for those that didn't listen to part one or watch part one, I'm going to break down how we're going to break down these final three categories. All right. As follows. So we're going to break down the top 10 of the following categories, match of the year, event of the year and male wrestler of the year. And then we'll wrap up. And then maybe this is going to be the end of of lucha outsiders for 2023 until the new year or oh, who's to say maybe something crazy happens next year or i don't know i mean next week or something and then we got to do an impromptu episode so who's to say maybe you'll get another episode before the year ends i'm not sure but like ryan said on the top of the show uh we are going to be at world's end in long island new york the day before new year's eve we're going to wrap up we're going to end the year in long island oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah it's it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Well, you know, it is. Pay per view, AEW pay per views are usually great. And, you know, it's yeah. more more hits and misses. But who's yeah, to say? Yeah. Who's to say? All right. I still I still want the main event to, of all of all out of of World's End to end with some big climax, some big reveal. And listen, my prediction, and I, and I said it in a previous episode. My prediction is. MJF is not gonna be walking out of Long Island as world champion, and we're gonna get the reveal of the devil. And people are gonna lose their fucking minds at the Nassau Coliseum. That's my prediction. Yeah, I'm starting to I'm starting to feel the same way, man. I'm starting to feel the same exact way. All right. Let's start night two or day two with matches of 2023. Match of the year. 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 
on you're having a lot of fun with that Leo aren't you of course 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 oh what a mess what a mess all right Coming in at number 10. Number 10. Number 10. Number 10. Number 10. Okay. Let's, let's, let's stop that, Leo. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Coming in I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Coming in at number 10. We actually made this. We actually tweaked a couple things actually this morning. Well, was it this morning or was it yesterday morning? Who's yesterday morning. <laughs> Who's the fucking say, right? Who's the say, right? Who's I don't know. Say? What are we just... What are we... I don't even know what day it is today. Let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> Technically, it's Monday morning. Technically, quotations here, okay? All right. So coming in number 10, we made this tweak this morning or yesterday morning. We went with Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks from All Out, okay, the strap match. Um, we're going to talk about this event a little bit later. But first of all, this event had no business of being as good as it was, all right? Especially with some of the news that transpired the 24 hours, the stuff coming in from the week before and all in, going into All Out. This... Show had no steam whatsoever, but they delivered 1,000%. And this match was one of the reasons why. This match got announced the night before in Collision, all right? I was there live when they announced this match, and fucking Chicago lost their minds that we were going to get Ricky Starts and um, Brian Danielson in a strap match. Brian Danielson, I feel like in 2023, has a death wish, all right? Because the amount of matches he's been having and the amount of times he's been hurt it's crazy that he's still performing at the level he's performing now. And Ricky starts, he's had a really good year too. So um, this match is coming in at number 10. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think this is the last minute change that's well-deserved. I mean, it's this is a announced like 24 hours prior, right? Like Brian came back after CM Punk got uh, canned and, you know, the unannounced Brian Danielson return. And then to see him get announced for a match with Ricky Starks, which was supposed to be CM Punk, and then it, for it to be a strap match. And I think I said this at the time. I was like, this match was so brutal. And Brian, like, put Starks through so much. Like, you'd think this guy, like, had an affair with, like, Brie Bella or something like that. Like, I don't even know why Brian had, like, wanted to kill Ricky as much as, like, he did. But it was the, the most brutal match. Like, one of the most brutal matches of the year. Um, and just really just one of the best Brian Danielson matches um, I think I've ever seen. And, man, this was just so good. And, like, when it was an honorable mention or, you know, outside of the list, I was like, man, we got to find a way to put this in there. Yep. And uh, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did, too. Um, also, just to add on to, to add another layer to this match, at the press scrum later that evening, which is by far one of the worst press scrums in AEW history, that's not here or there. Yeah. And that's saying a lot because the year before we got Brawl out, okay? So that's saying a lot <laughs> that this is one of yeah. the worst press scrums in, in AEW history. But one of the nuggets in this press scrum was – Brian Danielson saying like, "Hey, listen, I, if it wasn't for Ricky Starks, this match wasn't wouldn't have been that good. Like he really helped me out. In put this him match. over. Yeah. He put him over in an in an incredible way. So, um, yeah, this match is coming in at number ten. Coming in at number nine. Okay, this is another match. Even though it just happened recently, I feel like it deserved to be in the top ten list because man, did this match make you believe? And that was Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins from Crown Jewel, Money in the Sand ten, if you will." This match, I believe they opened up the show with this match, did they? Yes, they did, yeah. Dude, yeah. this match was fucking incredible. And what I loved about this match so much, besides the fact that you have two incredible fucking wrestlers, you know, facing each other, is the fact how the crowd reacted for Drew. Drew was getting, like, the crowd really wanted Drew to win. They weren't booing Seth Rollins, but it, there was dueling chance at one point, and, and a lot of that, good portion of that crowd really wanted Drew to win, and, and that had me. 
They had me. And that's one yeah. thing to say, I got to say about Seth Rollins' matches in the last year, especially as world champion. A lot of these matches, they a lot of these matches made you believe that the challenger was going to win. And they had me. Those last couple minutes, those last like two, three minutes in this match, I thought Drew had it. Ultimately, Seth Rollins ended up going over, but this match uh, was fantastic. I, I love the chemistry these two have. Yeah, I think it was a 450 uh, spot that Phoenix Drew Splash. got away. A Phoenix Splash. Phoenix Splash. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right into the Claymore kick. Man. That's they had me on that one for sure. Uh, great match to open the show, and I'm you know I did not watch that whole entire card because you know it was a, it was like an a afternoon show right on a Saturday, and I had something to do later on in the day. But um you know I I said all right I'm gonna watch the first hour or so of the show. And I'm really glad they opened up with that match, and yep. I got to watch that because it was really really good. And Rollins' reign has been so good; he's had so many great matches. Um, but this one stands out as one of the best ones, and these two have unmatched chemistry against each other so you knew it was going to be good going into it but uh really really solid stuff from both of those guys and just felt like needed to at least acknowledge that and you know we needed a Rollins match on this list for sure and I think this was one of his best ones to date so far you know in this reign yeah incredible um there's a lot of a lot of honorable mentions and there's some other Rollins matches in the honorable mentions but this one just needed to make the list I think this one just kind of um, tops and trumps like every other match that he had this year. And that's saying a lot because, like I said, yeah. Seth Rollins has had a lot of incredible matches this year. Coming yep. in at number eight, another incredible match, man, and it's one of those matches that also made you believe, even with the the kind of like ongoing finishes that we've been getting with uh, Roman Reigns matches, but the energy in that arena and just, once again, the chemistry these two have, just the storytelling leading up to this match and that was Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns from Elimination Chamber. Chamber of Elimination. This match was fantastic, man. One of um, Roman Reigns' best matches this year. And we already know the work Sami Zayn could do. I just love the story that they told. Um, the Bloodline story, um, at least this part of the Roman Reigns and Sami chapter, uh, ended here. Obviously, the Bloodline story continues. And then Sami Zayn Kevin Owens continues later on. But... This match was fantastic, bro. Um, they had you believing. You know, they had Montreal believing at that one point, even with Sami Zayn's wife in, in front row. Um, there was a lot of moments in this match where you're like, oh, Sami Zayn's going to do it. Ultimately, we didn't get that. But um, this match was incredible. The moment was incredible. The 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 Jey Uso interference, um, then Kevin Owens showing up. Uh, this match was really, really good, man. Really, really dope, and I loved it. Yeah, the crowd really, really uh, made this match what it was, and uh, it was an incredible moment for Sammy. The entrances were electric. I mean, the the environment uh, was just unreal, man. And it was one of those, yeah, one of those times where we thought it was possible that Reigns can lose the belt. Now, I know we knew there was a likelihood of that happening. It was not very slim. Uh, yeah, because, you know, obviously him and Cody were bound to, to fight it. At WrestleMania, but I thought that there was a slight chance a that slight maybe they'd see me over, you know. Um, really, really good match. One of the best Reigns matches. Um, they worked so well together here. So many great near falls. They had you on the edge of your seat the whole entire time. It was it was quite the ride for sure. Yeah. Speaking of the ride, the ride's gonna continue going into number seven. We're gonna give it to Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus the Usos at WrestleMania 39, the main event of night one. Another tag match that was fantastic. When we talk about tag matches alone this year, I believe some combination of these four men, whether they're involved in the match or not, they're going to kind of pique our interest and there's going to be matches that are notable from 2023. This match was incredible. And it was the climax of the story, specifically with Sami Zayn and, and the Bloodline, where it ended with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, guys that 
our best friends that wrestled all over the world for the PWGs, the Ring of Honors, um, frenemies to best friends back and forth so many different times. They've also had a match at WrestleMania to ultimately main eventing WrestleMania and capturing those tag titles. And it was an incredible moment and an incredible match. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I mean, for a tag match to main event WrestleMania, you do not hear that often at all, if ever. Um, one of the first times it's ever happened. And listen, it was just a great moment when they when they ended up winning, KO and Sammy. It was a phenomenal match. Um, yeah, I mean, it was the perfect way, I feel like, to really close out night one of Mania this year. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was that good. One, probably one of the best tag matches we've seen all year. Coming in number six, we're going to take it to AEW. And I'll go down and say that this is probably the best Iron Man match I've ever seen in my life. And that's MJF, mm -hmm. Brian Danielson. Like I said before, Brian Danielson has a death wish. I don't know why he has that. Um, he has a family, but it, clearly he has a death wish. But this match was incredible. And at the time, MJF was a heel, so it played a factor on how he won the match at the end. Um, listen, these two dudes came out, beat the fuck up after this match. Brian yeah. took a break. MJF had bruises all over his face. They beat the snot at each other, man. But this match delivered 1,000%. Yeah, yeah. No, this was so damn good. I, I agree. The best Ironman match I've ever seen. Just uh, you know, from start to finish, it's one of those matches where you, know, you think, wow, an hour match. You know, That could get boring. That could get stale. This wasn't, man. This was a ride through and through throughout the whole entire hour plus because they went into that overtime after that, too. So brutal. Um, one of the best, I just said that about the Starks match, but again, one of the best Brian Danielson matches I think we've ever seen and probably one of the best MJF matches we've ever seen, too. And uh, yeah, just really, really incredible stuff from both of those guys. So brutal and just so enjoyable, man. Like one of the, the top, top matches, I feel like could have even been higher on this list. But I mean, there's so many good ones uh, throughout the year. But yeah. Really, really good. One of the best AEW matches, I think, ever. 1,000%. 1,000%. And MJF continues to showcase, and we saw this throughout the year, how he's not just a, a talker. He's also a really, really great wrestler. He's been having incredible matches all year round. So, um, yeah, this this was another feather to his cap, man, this Iron Man match. He could definitely say, and I wouldn't argue with him, that he's had the best Iron Man match of all time. Yeah, yeah. All right, coming to number five, one of my personal favorite matches that happened this year and that's my guys, BCG, Bullet Club Gold, White and Juice versus FTR. Two, two out of three falls in collision. This happened in collision. This was a TV match, okay? And there's a couple TV matches that are honorable mentions on this, on that I'm going to talk about later. But this match was incredible, bro. And I I really wanted Bullet Club Gold to pick up the, the, the win here and win the tag titles. I don't think FTR needed him at the time. But this match was incredible, bro. Um, we talked about it when it came to tag team. Jay, Jay and Juice have such great chemistry. And they they did magic with FTR. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, that I, that was on a random collision, right? Yeah. Episode? Yeah, remember yeah. they had part one the week before. Yes. And then they had the sequel the following week. Which is like, the first one was great too. The first match was incredible. And it's like, how are you going to top the first one? And they did. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching the first one live. And I was like... I was home. I was like, it was a random Saturday night and nothing going on. I was like, wow, these, these two teams killed it. Like I did not see that coming. Yep. And then they did the two out of three falls pretty quickly. I, I thought maybe they could have benefited from doing some sort of like, you know, dragging out a little bit, you know, telling the story, but the two out of three falls was even better. I mean, again, some of the best tag team wrestling we will see on, on, on television ever, you know, and we got it for free, which is unbelievable. So crazy 
teams work so well together. I really wish Bullet Club Gold could have got the win. Of course, we mentioned that, uh, you know, in, in uh, the episode yesterday. But listen, I mean, it's it's just like I said, tag team wrestling. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing when when it's done right, and this is a perfect example of that. So it really is. It really is. Coming to number four, another of my personal favorite matches that happened this year, and. I think this stole the show at Mania. And I'll say it stole the show on both nights. And that's Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair for the, at the time, the SmackDown Women's Championship. No. Uh, this match was magic also. Charlotte Flair going in as champion. Rhea finally getting that moment, that WrestleMania moment. Unlike, you know, she had a couple misfortunes where her character was just not connecting with the crowd. But this, it just connected at all cylinders from her win at the Royal Rumble. Fast forward to WrestleMania. She has this five-star banger with Charlotte Flair. Um, we already know the work that Charlotte Flair could do, so that's no shocker there. You know, She's always putting on classics. But now having this classic with Rhea Ripley, it just elevated Rhea Ripley to this just whole other level. And this match was my favorite match of that whole weekend. Yeah, no, it was... Uh, the build-up was terrible. And, yep, yep. you know, a lot of people were down on this. But these two absolutely killed it. And it was one of the best matches, I think, yeah, like you said, on that entire mania and that entire weekend. So brutal, so violent. One of the, I think Dave Meltzer even said it's one of the best women's matches in WrestleMania history. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to argue that because, you know, I mean, name me any any ones that were better than that. I mean, that's as good as it gets right there. Mm -hmm. Great chemistry, great moment when Rhea won. Um, just brutal all the way through. So many great near falls. Uh, kudos to both women. They they knocked it out of the freaking park. It was That was the match I think a lot of people were talking about after, you know, night one was great but i think that was the one that stood out the most after night one yeah it's also goes to show you that same weekend oscar and bianca also put on a banger but then people were like but it's no Rhea, it's no Rhea and charlotte yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah no for sure all right coming in at number three we're gonna take it to the beginning of the year and at that point keep in mind january 4th i was i was already messaging you and telling you I don't know how, what's going to top this match. And it did get topped, clearly, because it came in number three. But this match was no words at the time. So I don't know if you watched it live, but I did. I do it every January 4th. I watch Wrestle Kingdom. And I was looking forward to Osprey and Omega. And I watched this match, and I was left with no words. It was just pure. It was a classic, bro. It was an instant classic. And from that point forward, I was like, I don't know what's going to top this match. Osprey Omega one was just incredible at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. No, this. I mean, I did watch it live. Uh, first Wrestle Kingdom I watched live in a couple of years, and I knew they were going to kill it, and they absolutely did. And at the time, you know, you could tell that they held back a little bit because yep. you knew that rematch was going to come. But I mean, God, holding back was like it's like you watch it, you're like, wow, how much more can they do? But you just know their abilities. You know, they're capable of a lot more together. And that was a great appetizer for what we eventually got, which will be coming. Uh, you know. But um, it's just, uh, yeah, these two, just unmatched chemistry. It's just unbelievable the things that they could do. The two best wrestlers in the world, in my opinion. 1,000%. Coming in number two, just happened a couple weeks ago. Swerve Strickland, Hangman Page, Texas Death Match. Their first match, which was a regular match, was good. It was really, really good. It happened at what was Wrestle Dream, right? Yeah. Fast forward to full gear. They do a Texas death match and you have the, your naysayers. that was like, Oh, it's too much blood. It was too much. This, it was too much that I thought it made sense with the story they were telling with Shane Strickland invading hangman's house. So it made perfect sense why they would take it to this level. Mm -hmm. But some of the stuff that they did in this match is like, I don't know how this feud could continue. Cause literally you did everything you can to each other in this match. And 
Some people were critical just with the blood and stuff, and I think some people forget that Shane Strickland is no stranger to death matches. He's done death matches in his career, especially when he was in CZW and in Kill Shot when he was in Lucha Underground. So he he he's into this kind of shit. And yeah. this match, like coming out of this match too, I was watching it and I was like, listen, it's almost to tell you, hey, this is my favorite match of the year. I wouldn't even argue with you because it was just it. This match was incredible. I loved it. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody saw this like. This, I mean, obviously, we know they are both gonna kill it in the ring, right? You know, we saw that at Wrestle Dream, but nobody knew it could be this extreme. And my goodness, from every single spot from Hangman drinking the blood and and the cinder block spots, and then uh, you know, uh, Swerve pouring the glass on Hangman's back and then doing the 450 onto him, oh. and then uh, you know, hanging hitting him with the cinder block later on, and then hanging him literally hanging him to the win the staple match. guns, bro. The staple gun. guns, oh. yeah. I mean, god, there's so many things you could like go back, look back on this, and you forget a lot of these things. It's just uh, one of the most violent matches, I think one of the best death matches we will ever see on yes. American soil, 1, and that says a lot because there's been a lot of them in GC dub and everything. But my goodness, um, they killed it, and Man, I mean, even MJF, you know, you know, MJF's thoughts on like all this like garbage wrestling type yeah. of stuff. You know, even MJF was like, wow, I can't believe I had to go follow that in the main event, you know? So yeah. unbelievable. One of the best matches of the year. Uh, so deserving to be number two. But like you said, if some people said it was number one in their favorite, how could you deny that? I wouldn't even argue with you. But we do have a number one. So coming to number one, match of the year of 2023. Let's try that. There you go. We're going to go to Forbidden Door, okay? Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, Dose. Part 2, the sequel. We didn't... I, I don't know how they... It's, it's hard to explain my feelings about this match because part 1 was so good, dude. I know. Part 1 was so good. And I'm like, dude, what are they going to do now? But going back to what you said in part 1, right... They held back a little bit, and they told a completely different story at Wrestle Kingdom, where Will Ospreay was kind of fighting underneath, and Kenny Omega in many ways kind of felt like a heel. Mm -hmm. At least in Japan, yeah. it felt like a heel, especially with the press scrum uh, promo, like the press conference, where they started yep. going at it, and like Will was like really talking like from his heart and just saying like how he carried his company, and he went through so much shit during the pandemic or whatever, where he couldn't get the reaction from the crowd. Fast forward all these months later. We get the sequel for Forbidden Door 2. Oh, my God, man. Even with the shenanigans they did in this match, because there were some shenanigans here with Don Callis and the Fury and stuff, it took nothing away from the match, bro. It took nothing away. Like, Will Ospreay, in many ways, was kind of giving Kenny Omega the same treatment Omega did to him at Wrestle Kingdom. This match was just incredible, dude. The, the final moments when they're hitting each other's moves and then that Tiger Driver, what is it, 97, where... Oh, God, dude. At many points, it felt like a death match. Not, not for nothing. There's some parts of this match that it kind of felt like a death match because there was blood in it, too. Ultimately, Will Ospreay goes over. This match was incredible, and I don't think nothing topped this match, in my opinion. This match, I loved it, bro. It was better than the, it was better than the original. The sequel was better, and I hope now that Will Ospreay's in AEW, somewhere down the line in 2024, we get the, the trifecta, we get the trilogy. That's what I'm hoping for, especially because... I mean, yeah, Kenny Omega's doing the stuff with Chris Jericho, but I think, especially our us that we've been following New Japan for all these years and our AEW diehards, Kenny Omega's at best when he's doing his single shit, man, when he's being the best bout machine. And I get it. 
Kenny Omega has also said vocally that he's not, um, he feels like his time is very limited to be that best bout machine. But, you know, maybe maybe he's taking a break from that now because ultimately we're going to get that that trifecta, that trilogy will Osprey. But coming in number one, match of the year, Osprey Omega 2 for From Better Door 2. Yeah, man, the sequel is not always better than the original, but in this case, it definitely was. And my goodness, I didn't think it was possible to top, you know, I knew they were going to, you know, knock it out of the park, but I didn't think it was possible to top what they did at Wrestle Kingdom, but they absolutely did. It was so, it was so good. Um, the story that they told, just brutal, obviously the best match on that card, uh, which was really good, but man, like I, the fact that they didn't main event that show, they put Brian and Okada in a really, really tough spot, uh, man. So many brutal, brutal moves, like you said, that that move on Kenny Omega's neck, um, you know, that got a lot of negative reaction on social media. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the story they told was just masterful. I mean, it was so good. And obviously nothing, nothing t touches that, you know, I mean, there's been so many great matches this year. Nothing's nothing. I knew nothing would top that. As soon as that match ended, I knew nothing would top that. Just some honorable mentions here because I do want to acknowledge because this was tough. I sent Ryan a huge list of matches, right? So I just want to touch on a couple of them just real quick, just name them off. So we got, um, whatchamacallit, uh, let's see. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Reigns and Sol Sokoa at Night of Champions. That was that also happened at um Saudi Arabia. I thought that match was really, really good. MJF Cole won from Dynamite in an episode of Dynamite. I thought that match was fantastic. Um, let's see. You got Rollins and Balor from SummerSlam. Mercedes Monet and Kyrie Sane from Battle of the Valley that happened earlier this year for the IWGP Women's Championship. Uh, Omega MJF that happened on a random collision. <laughs> okay, that match yeah. happened this year. Also, uh, Will Ospreay and Mike Bailey from Bound for Glory, another great match. Uh, let's see what else. Anarchy of the Arena two in in Double or Nothing. That match was incredible. Also. There's yeah. uh, Hangman and Moxley, Texas Deathmatch and Revolution. All right, everybody talks about the Iron Man match, but also the other second great match that happened at that pay-per-view was that match. So a lot of great matches happened this year. It's just hard to come up with a top 10 list. I know, yeah. I mean, I, I had a lot of trouble looking this over, but I think you did a great job. And I think, you know, the ones we have on there are definitely deserving. But yeah, there's been so many more that obviously deserve a mention for sure because it's been a great year. There's so many great wrestling matches all across the board and all different promotions. Definitely, definitely. All right, let's now talk about events of the year um, because it's another list that, you know, we kind of, not that we had trouble, but one of the, the one of the biggest takeaways when we did events of the year was there's a lot of WWE events that, that are listed here. Um, and that's like, I remember in the beginning of the year when we had the Royal Rumble, then the Elimination Chamber, and then Mania, and then Backlash. Those were like four pay-per-views in a row. We we're like, yo, man, WWE, they're just delivering at these pay-per-views, no, bro. Yeah, yeah. So let's start with number 10. Number 10, I was there live. Incredible Royal Rumble, specifically for three different scenarios. The men's winner, the women's winner, and then the the how we ended the pay-per-view. And that's the Royal Rumble. Man, you got Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble. Then you got Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble. Both great Rumble matches. Then you have Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns main eventing, and you're like, what the, What are they going to do here, right? Like, mm -hmm. granted, you would think they were going to end the show with one of the Rumble matches, and that didn't happen. So you're like, ah, right, whatever. They get, something's got to happen here. Sami Zayn accompanies Roman Reigns. Keep in mind, the week before that Monday Night Raw, there, it was the trial of Sami Zayn, where Romans wanted to just kick out Sami Zayn out of the bloodline, 
right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward to Royal Rumble. Now they're telling the story like where Sami Zayn has to prove himself, right? During the match, Sami Zayn's in ringside, and he's telling Kevin Owens, stay down, just stay down, stay down. But Roman's just beating the snot out of Kevin Owens. Finally, he picks up the win, and now the rest of the bloodline come out. All right, everybody's celebrating, and they're just beating the shit out of Kevin Owens, the rest of the bloodline. And Sami Zayn's like, you guys don't have to do this. You guys already proved the point. Roman's like, no, we're going we're gonna to have fun. We're going to have fun. Relax, we're having fun. Finally, Roman wants to fucking just hit Kevin Owens with the chair. Kevin Owens is tied up to the ring. And Sammy goes like, no, you don't have to do this. And then he hands him the chair. He's like, no, then you do it. He tells him, you. he's screaming at Sammy Zane. Tell him, you do it, you do it. And what does Sammy do? He hits Roman Reigns. And the crowd loses their fucking mind. And now the rest of the bloodline is beating on Sammy Zane. Jay Uso doesn't know what to do. Cinema, pure cinema. Cinema, yeah. Roman is yelling at Sami Zayn, saying like, I gave you everything. I gave you everything. You were part of my family. Just yelling at Sami Zayn. And then the crowd is just yelling all together. I was there. Fuck you, Roman. Now, keep in mind, I want to point this out too. Prior to this match, okay, everybody loved Bloodline. All the Bloodline (laughs) segments, the entrance, even though they're portraying heels and Roman's a heel, right? They're just portrayed as cool heels. So everybody's raising their one up. It's kind of like that cool NWO factor, if you will, right? That's how they were portraying on TV, right? Because it was cool. The shirts, the We The Ones, all that shit. We were there at Survivor Series last year. We saw how, like, yeah, everybody was getting cheered in the match, right? You know, like the babyface and stuff. But the second the bloodline came out all together, oh, forget it. Everybody was throwing their one up. It's just like the mood just changes. But that was the first time in a very, very long time where the crowd turned completely on Roman Reigns. So that's why the Royal Rumble had to make this list. Yeah, it was an incredible event. One of the best Rumbles events we've seen. Not even just like, I thought the, the both Rumble matches were really good too. But I thought overall it was the best one of the best Rumble uh, shows that we've seen in years too. And it was... Uh, I think one of the first times that the Royal Rumble match didn't main event the show, right? I mean, but I mean, in this case, it was the right call. I mean, it was, like you said, cinema, everything. I don't think I've, you know, I probably have heard a louder pop, but that pop when Sammy hits Roman with the chair is something else. And uh, yeah, at that point, that was peak bloodline storytelling. And (laughs) it was, uh, man, it was incredible. It was so freaking good. So yeah, I agree 100%. This was a great show. I'm jealous you were at the show. Um, great Royal Rumble winners too. But you were in Cancun, so you were having a great time anyway. I was, yeah, <laughs> I was. I did not watch this Rumble live. I was, uh, you know, I was at a wedding and I was just on my phone the whole time, seeing all this stuff. I'm like, geez, man, I'm missing quite the show. Uh, but yeah, what what a great event to kick off the year for WWE. All right, coming in at number nine, we're gonna take it to El Barrio. We're gonna take it to Puerto Rico, and we're gonna talk about Backlash 2023. Puerto Rico, bro, you guys just fucking kill it out there, man. That that crowd was fantastic. The the arena, everything about this pay per view on top of the card was just great, man. The, the same goes to the crowds in Montreal and stuff like. If you make the argument like they deserve like premium live events, they really do, man. And Puerto Rico really showed out for this show. We had Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. You had uh, Bianca Belair and EO Sky. This match alone, bro, you talk about like the beginning of like people getting tired of Bianca, man. People wanted EO Sky to win this match, man. And the match was incredible, mm-hmm. too. 
Also, Zelina Vega getting that awesome moment for the Puerto Rican crowd. Like, the match was what it was. Like, we all knew Rhea Ripley was going to win, right? But Zelina Vega just getting, like, that hero's welcome. Like, I love that for her. And even in defeat, that was, like, one of the best moments ever in her career. You had also Bad Bunny and Damian Priest, which I think this should have been the main event of this of this pay-per-view, man. Yeah. Just yeah. like Logan Paul, Bad Bunny has no business to be this good. And Bad Bunny and Damian Priest put on a fantastic, fantastic match at backlash so that's why this pay-per-view overall needs to be in this list yeah the crowd was unbelievable it, i can't wait for more of these next year because we know where they're going next year for some of these ple's um and the crowd was just red hot um obviously the first event in you know how many however many years it was yep. um it I was believe just, since 2005 if i'm not mistaken yeah i think that's what it was yeah i mean the, it was just red hot all night and that's you know when the crowd is into it crowd can make a show that much better and i agree that damian priest bad bunny match was so good i really thought it was going to main event the show um it was so well booked everything across the board with the zelina vegas stuff i mean yeah just uh a really really memorable event one of the ones that stands out really really uh clearly of, of this year it was uh really fun to watch just so enjoyable all around all right, number eight, we're going to take it to AEW, and we're going to take it to the first quarter of the year, and that's AEW Revolution. I already talked about how great the MJF and Brian Danielson match was. The best Iron Man match I've ever seen in my life. I'm 36 years old. I've seen pretty much all the Iron Man matches. This one, just to me, is just the best one. And, I mean, some people might be upset with that. I really don't care. To me, this is the best Iron Man match I've ever seen in my life. Also, you got Hangman and John Moxley. I had this listed in my matches of the year. It didn't break the top 10, but this is another brutal match where they just went at it with each other. You know John Moxley's a master of this stuff. He loves this stuff, this deathmatch shit. So he's he, that to me, that's like him waking up. He doesn't even have to like prep for it. He just goes into it right away, right? Hangman, though, he's also done deathmatches, but not as experienced as John Moxley. So they both just went balls to the wall with it. Um, you also had Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho in this match. I know the storytelling going into it was kind of weird, but the match did deliver. Um, and then there was other matches too. There was a, the, the trios match, a House of Black and the Elite. A lot of people forget that they were feuding in the beginning of the year after the mm -hmm. Elite won those trios titles. And I remember telling you, like, yo, how dope was it seeing uh, Buddy Matthews and Kenny Omega like having that that quick cup of uh, coffee in the match where they were facing each other? Because like Buddy Matthews has always been compared to Kenny Omega. So overall, I really did enjoy this match. At this uh this pay-per-view. Yeah, listen, I think this was at a point when um a lot of people, even us, were down on AEW yep. because the buildup was so bad to this show and it ended up really delivering in a huge way. And uh, you know, I mean that's really just what kind of tells you that AEW always delivers on pay-per-view, regardless of the build or regardless of of where the company's at at the time. And uh yeah, I mean all these matches you listed were really much better than I think a lot of people expected going into it. And uh, listen, that's like the theme of AEW. I feel like of this year, like you're down on the product and then there's an event that reels you back in and you're down on it again. And, you know, I mean, they always end up delivering on pay-per-view and it was no different here. Revolution was a really, really good show. That's, that's you know, just to add on to that, it always, think about that. This pay-per-view happened in March. So they started building to this pay-per-view within the first quarter between January and February. Since the beginning of the year, the storytelling has just not been good. It hasn't. No. It just goes to show you when we talk about that going into it, we're like, eh, we know it's going to be good. But just going into this pay-per-view, I'm just not hyped. And then obviously the pay-per-view delivers and we're coming out of this like, well, that's the theme. We shouldn't – we should be happy going into a pay-per-view like, oh, this pay-per-view is going to be awesome. And 
that's kind of been the thing all year where it's like the papers are good, but going into it, it's just like, mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Coming in at number, let's see, number seven, we're going to take it to WWE again, and we're going to go with SummerSlam. A lot of people, surprisingly, actually like SummerSlam more than WrestleMania. I'm not one of those people, but this pay-per-view was really, really good. Despite on how Roman beat Jey Uso in the main event, this match was really, really good. You had EO Sky um, cashing in her money in the bank. You had another match between Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes, and then... You get like this handshake after the match is over, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting. And I thought that was a really, really cool moment. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor killed it. Another one of those matches where you're like, damn, I think they should give it to Finn Balor. Clearly, they didn't yeah. do that, but whatever. You had Gunther versus Drew McIntyre for the IC Championship. LA Knight winning the gimmick battle royal. <laughs> and yeah. you have Logan Paul and Ricochet. This pay-per-view was really, really good. The only down part, downside of this pay-per-view was Shane and Baszler and, and uh, Ronda Rousey. Besides this, this pay-per-view delivered. Yeah, it was so fun, man. I loved the opening contest between Ricochet and Logan Paul a lot. Mm-hmm. Cody stuff with Brock, yeah, like you said, was awesome. The EO cash-in. Um, you know, the main event of the show was kind of meh. I really wasn't a huge fan of Roman and Jay, um, the tribal... Um, Combat, combat match, whatever that was, was, yeah. Very, very slow and just not the best way to end this pay-per-view. But overall, everything else I thought was really good. The crowd was was hot. It was, it looked great. It was at the Ford Field in Detroit. Uh, it just continued the uh, string of great pay-per-views for WWE. And, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, definitely memorable SummerSlam in many ways. All right, coming in number six, we're going to take it to Montreal in the beginning of the year, February. The Chamber of Elimination, Elimination Chamber. Five-match card, okay? Two Elimination Chamber matches. Every match on here, for the most part, delivered except one. And that was Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. We thought this match was going to happen at WrestleMania, and it didn't happen. Don't know why. Especially what we end up getting at WrestleMania, right? But other than that, I thought the women's chamber match delivered. You had Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Judgment Day. That match was really good. You know, I've been I've been very critical on Austin Theory, but he did defend the United States Championship in a Elimination Chamber match. I thought that match was really, really good, especially with the the progression of the Logan Paul and Seth Rollins story leading up to Mania. And then you get the main event, Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. Um, that crowd was hot. Another one of those crowds where you're like, yo, they deserve PLEs more often. Uh, and yeah, that main, that main event made our match of the year. So I think this show deserves to be in events of the year. Yeah, no, totally 100%. Again, the crowd playing a huge factor here. It was so hot. I mean, you knew it was going to be in Montreal. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I forgot about the Bobby Lashley, um, you know, Brock stuff. I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was even the Elimination Chamber matches. I mean, forgettable, but I do, do remember a couple of things like the women's one. <laughs> women's match where Liv Morgan, like, jumped off of the top yeah. of the pod. To, like, a, yeah. a sunset flip. Like, it was... Uh, yeah, like a lot of really, really like forgettable moments. But when we go back and you like look at it, you're like, wow, this is actually was actually pretty fun. You know, you had Edge and Beth Phoenix in there mm-hmm. uh, teaming up. Yep. So, uh, yeah, just and obviously we mentioned Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. So I would love to see another pay-per-view or PLD, excuse me, in Montreal because uh, that crowd was awesome that night. All right. Coming in at number five, we're going to take it to. Uh... I think we're going to also take it to Canada as well because I think this this happened in Canada. I think it happened in Toronto. And we're going to take it to Forbidden Door 2, AEW, New Japan. I was at the first Forbidden Door, and I enjoyed it. I love the first Forbidden Door. And going into the second Forbidden Door, once again, we were like, 
man, besides Omega and Osprey, man, this just seems like a mishmash of fucking matches. Like, there was really very minimal story. But once again, the pay-per-view fucking delivered. Brian Danielson and Okada, unfortunately, due to injury, that match did not deliver. But hopefully the sequel at Wrestle Kingdom 18 in about a month will uh, kind of redeem themselves. But, you know, for what the match was, e- for what the match was, even with injury, I thought the match was really, really good. You had, like, a combination of Sting and Darby <laughs> Allin and Naito versus uh, La Suzuki Guns, uh, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki, Tony Storm, and Willow Nightingale had a match. I, I really This match... Had no business to be as good as it was because it just was a weird combination. It was the elite Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii versus the Blackpool Combat Club and Takeshita. This had no business to be like as good as it was, but it was a really, really fun match. And it kind of reminded you of like these random multi-man matches in New Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yo, this happened back in June, bro. CM Punk was in this paper. I was just going to say that. <laughs> CM Punk versus Kojima, right? And this was the first time since Punk's return where the crowd was very vocal, where they were not feeling Punk and they were booing him. Let me tell yeah. you, they were booing Punk. But other than that, this pay-per-view, pay-per-view was really, really good, man. I really enjoyed it. And also, let me not forget, too, this was the beginning stages of Jungle Boy's heel turn. I think a lot of people yeah. forget that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was a good show. It delivered. I mean, the wrestling, you know, you knew it was going to be good. I mean, Forbidden Door is always a weird show because like the build. I mean, how much can you really build? Right. It's always going to be random matches kind of just thrown together, you know, Um, it's like CM Punk and Satoshi Kojima. Um, (laughs) But it ends up delivering. It ends up being a really, really fun show. You know, the one night of the year where AEW and New Japan really go head to head against each other. And obviously it'll always be known for that Omega and Osprey classic match that we got. Um, so yeah, I mean, Forbidden Door 2, definitely, definitely a great show. And, uh, you know, I think it deserves to be in the list and in, in the spot that it's in. Yep. All right. Coming in at number four, taking it back to WWE. We're going to take it to the UK, bro. We're going to go with money in the bank. Uh, another pay-per-view that is delivered. And that's been like the common, the common theme when it comes to WWE pay-per-views, specifically this year. Nine times out of 10, these pay-per-views have delivered. And Money in the Bank was no stranger to that. On top of having like an impromptu John Cena appearance, all right? Just kind of teasing the crowd and trolling the crowd like, hey, we sh- you guys should prove that you guys deserve a WrestleMania, which they said the same thing about Puerto Rico and they said the same thing about Montreal, right? The card was fantastic. Damian Priest winning Money in the Bank. Pete Dunn, LA Knight, Logan Paul, Ricochet, Santos Escobar, and Nakamura was in that same match. Think about that. Think yeah, about that. All right. You had Gunther beating the crap out of Matt Riddle, which says a lot. Okay. Funny look at the back on now. Yeah. Yeah. Not even in the company. EO Sky, um, also, um, whatchamacallit? EO Sky also winning uh her money in the bank. You got Seth Rollins, Finn Balor won here. Okay. So and then the main event, you got the Usos versus the the bloodline, the bloodline civil war, which was a fantastic match, which is another match that was like an honorable mention in our matches of the year. So this pay-per-view was great, bro. This paper delivered one thousand percent. Yeah, I love it. It was like, uh, you know, one thing about these WWE PLEs is like they have like, you know, five, six match cards and every match is so good, though. Um, and it's such an enjoyable watch. And this one was no different. This was on uh, like a three o'clock in the afternoon. On yeah, Saturday. it was an afternoon. Yeah, it was an afternoon, too. Yeah. Had some buddies over. We want we barbecued a little bit. Did, uh, had a little pool day and watched the show outside. It was uh, it was really, really fun. 
And uh, I thought the Money in the Bank matches delivered. I thought it was great winners, obviously, with Damian and uh, EO. And then, you know, that impromptu John Cena appearance, of course. And then that great main event, you know, with the Usos against Roman Reigns and uh, it was uh, Solo Sokoa, right? Yep. It was it was just the first time Roman got pinned, obviously, yep. in some odd days and a uh, great moment. And yeah, again, another show where the crowd played a huge factor in how good the show ended up being. So, yeah, Money in the Bank was a lot of fun this year and 100% delivered. All right. Coming in at number three, which on paper, going into this pay-per-view, we really had we had no clue what was going to happen. Right. We had no clue because. The week before you had a pay-per-view and then going into this week, you had no card announced. You were going in there blind. I was going there and that's all out 2023. Mm -hmm. This had no business to be a great pay-per-view, but somehow once again, the common thread when it comes to AEW pay-per-views, they deliver. And especially with the 24 hours beforehand with CM Punk getting released, you thinking like, what is AEW going to do here? Right? You have John Moxley, Orange Cassidy being the main event. And some people were kind of down on that. I was one of them. It's like, all right, I know this match is really going to be good, but the main event's going to be for the international championship. After the Punk release, it made perfect sense why I'd put this in the main event. You're out here to prove a point, okay? You're out here. Once again, when, when, when shit's going wrong with AEW, who do we depend on? We depend on John Moxley. They can't get a fucking goddamn vacation. Not only did this main event deliver, but also... The title got elevated even more. Now, unfortunately, there was some some unfortunate stuff that happened after that, you know, when Moxley getting hurt and stuff. But you had Ricky Starks also, Brian Danielson. We talked about that match. You have Takeshita and Kenny Omega. That match was dope. Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs, all right? Yeah. That match the was meat, so fuck Yeah, the that chance. the meat chance. That match was so much fun. Um, there's a couple questionable things on here too. I'm not going to deny that, but overall I thought this pay-per-view delivered and it had no business to be this great. And it was. Yeah. I mean, when you're booking it a week after all in, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest show in company history and uh, the biggest show in professional wrestling history, it's hard to put together a card. that's going to be that exciting that, you know, you're going to have to entice people to pay $50 again, you know, so it's a hundred dollars total in two you know just for two events in the span of a week like that's that's asking a lot of people and we put together a, a, an okay card going into it i was pretty down on it I, i'll admit mm -hmm. um i know you were there and, and i was there and i was down on it yeah yeah i know we talked about it before and i was like very happy with my decision not to go to chicago even i still you know I, even after the show it ended up being pretty good but i was still like you know satisfied with, with my decision uh to not go but it ended up being a really really good a really solid show. I mean, a fun, fun watch, you know, a lot of great matches. I think, you know, again, everybody's out there to prove something, you know, a lot of people down on the company and everything at the time and a lot of great matches, obviously that, you know, the Mox and Cassie match or OC's, you know, undefeated streak with his belt comes to an end. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, the, you just mentioned the Hobbs and, uh, and Miro stuff. And, uh, yeah, of course there's always gonna be questionable things on an AEW pay-per-view. Right. But for the most part, all out, 2023, I thought, was a uh, a really, really solid show. Also, let me not forget. I got to throw this in here because I would hate myself if I don't mention this. Also, in this pay-per-view, had a eight-man tag with Bullet Club Gold versus the Young Bucks and FTR. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is Bullet Club Gold gave us one of the most iconic entrances of all time. With, yeah. the, with the spin, with the 360, with the smoke and the guns, with the gunpoint and Juice Robinson losing his mind and Jay White just eating it all up. I love that entrance so much. It's fucking fantastic. Okay. Yeah. 
Jay yeah, White. You, you, you recreated it. Too, oh, so. yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Who could forget that? <laughs> Who could forget that, right? Okay. Coming in number two. All right. You was there, Ryan. And that's WrestleMania 39. I did enjoy WrestleMania 39 overall as a pay-per-view both nights. I know some people were very deflated with the main event of night two. I totally understand that, right? But also, I have to kind of like, you know, just not be a troll, but just also say that I told you so. I told all of y'all so that it could potentially happen. You did. I said that I don't think it was a sure thing that Cody Rose is going to defeat Roman Reigns. I think what hurts, and I think that's what kind of hurts WrestleMania this year, and I think that's why it, it can't be number one, right? Because the, the year before, WrestleMania was our, our show of the year, okay, in 2022, right? This year, I just feel like, and that's why even Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns, I couldn't even put that as matches of the year. Why? Because that ending hurts that match so much. No. Like, I feel like the finish could have still been clean. And listen, the match was incredible till that ending. Till yeah. that ending, that's what just leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And it's not even because Cody Rhodes lost. I still would have been like, that match was incredible, even with Cody Rhodes losing. It's just how he lost. And how that's been the common theme all year. And I'll even say that's kind of hurt the bloodline story a little bit because it's the same thing over and over and over again. It's become so repetitive with Roman Reigns matches like interference once again, interference once again. Listen, I know you're the tribal chief, right? But man, if you're the tribal chief and you're like that it star, right? You're a blockbuster performer. You're like pretty much like the new Brock Lesnar. You got to start winning without interference and every match this year that Roman Reigns has won he's won with interference okay yeah Kevin Owens Sami Zayn all right Cody Rhodes um Jay Uso Jay Uso yeah. LA Knight come on like everyone I know every yeah. single match he's had has had some form of interference I and listen I'm a I like Roman Reigns I'd be raising my one up I was watching WrestleMania 39, and I know we're, 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 WrestleMania 39 is coming at number two, but I'm just explaining to the audience why it can't be number one. That 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 put a damper on that show, and overall, the whole show was good for the most part. I mean, there were some couple things I didn't need, like I didn't need Omos and Brock Lesnar, right? Didn't need that, but the Mysterios um, going at each other, Dominic and Ray, I thought that match was dope. Both women's title matches were fantastic. Seth Rollins and Logan Paul was great. There was a lot of high moments. Even Shane McMahon fucking touring the squad was comical. Okay, there was a lot of great moments in this pay-per-view. But man, that main event, when it closes, all right, of night two, you're like, fuck. And you could you could elaborate more on it because you were there. And you could mm -hmm. give me your thoughts on this whole pay-per-view overall. Yeah, I mean, uh, when that happened, it was like the, the air coming out of a balloon, you know. Um, it was <laughs> such a shame because night one was so freaking good. Like, Night 1 was a really, really great show. And Night 1 was a good show last year, too, at WrestleMania 38. Night 2 always has trouble following Night 1. And you know what? Night 2 could have if it just ended differently, you know? And again, like you said, I'm not even talking about Cody Rhodes winning the belt. I'm talking about just a clean finish, you know, of some sorts, you know? Just not the way they ended up doing it. Um, it was just disappointing walking out of there for sure. But WrestleMania 39, I look back on it, it was still one of the most fun WrestleMania shows that I've attended live. It was really just from so many memorable and great matches. Um, and, you know, it's 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, the Mysterios going at it, Rhea Charlotte, the Usos and KO and Sami Zayn, that unbelievable triple threat, which happened in uh, night two with yeah, that match was Gunther. Yep. Great you know, match. Uh, great stuff. And even Brock Lesnar and Omos did, did its job, you know? I mean, I know, I know nobody was interested in it going in, and it was kind of just like whatever. Um, but it did its job. It was a fine way to open the show. I really didn't care too much about it. It was uh, it was an easy check for Brock. Let me tell you, very oh, yeah, easy I mean, check. probably the easiest dad he'll, he'll ever have. Um, but yeah, WrestleMania 39 it was a memorable in a lot of ways, and I I enjoyed being there. And you know, of course, wish Cody Rhodes could have won and finished the story. But uh, overall, I think you know this deserves to be at, at the spot that it's in because uh, really, really, just one of the best shows, top to bottom, all year. One thousand percent. All right, coming in at number one. Let's see if I got a little gimmick thing for, for this match. Here we go. We're going to go with All In London. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think there was a better pay-per-view than All In London. Besides it being very historical, it was just... Um, it was just one of those pay-per-views that both visually was just like, wow, bro, they fucking did it, right? It was over 70,000 people, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know that Tony says it was 80,000, but I think it was like over 70,000, the exact number. But whatever, still an incredible number. And the match card, I think, all in delivered. You know, that's why it was so hard for All Out to be like, oh, you're going in All Out blind. Like, how are you going to run two pay-per-views from a week span and keep your, like, audience, like, invested, right? Um, you have Bullet Club Gold with Takeshita versus the Golden Elite with Kota Bushi. All right. You had FTR and the Young Bucks. I, the match was good. It wasn't better than some of this previous matches, but the match was still good. You had CM Punk and Samoa Joe open the main card, which that match was fantastic. And it's also CM Punk's last appearance in AEW. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Keep in mind, he was defending the real world championship. Also, let's, <laughs> let's, let's throw that nugget in there. He was claiming he was still the champion in his, I guess, second run in AEW. Okay, he was never, not saying he wasn't a champion. He was claiming he was the real world champion, and he was defending this title. And he's defended against Samoa Joe. The match was fantastic. We both, we know both guys have great chemistry with each other. We also had a live with a full audience, with a full crowd, a stadium stampede match. A lot of people forget that this was on this show. Will Ospreay. A lot of naysayers, a lot of people were, a lot of naysayers were like, oh, why is Will Ospreay having this match all in? Well, I was one of those individuals, like, I get it. I can see why Will Ospreay wants this match. He had a match with Chris Jericho, and guess what? The match fucking delivered. We had a really fun match with Darby Allen and Sting versus Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland. That was a casket match. We got the main event at MJF, Adam Cole. Don't think it was better than their first match, but it was still a match that delivered 1,000%. Also, they wrestled twice. In the open, opening up the show at Zero Hour, they won the Ring of Honor tag titles. Yes, I get it. Who cares about Ring of Honor? But they still won the tag titles. I thought this pay-per-view top to bottom delivered 1,000%. And it was a, it was a great um, achievement for the company as a whole. Um, you know, there were some shenanigans backstage that happened with this pay-per-view. But uh, this I love this pay-per-view. And I think All In deserves that number one spot. Yeah, I totally agree, man. This is another one that was ha happened at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And... Uh, I watched the I spent my whole afternoon watching it. It was it was great. I enjoyed it. I love watching big stadium shows like this. And I thought it it looked great. You know, um, I thought it looked jam packed and I thought the crowd was was into it the whole the whole way through and a lot of great matches, a lot of great moments and a really, really solid 
first big stadium show for AEW. And obviously, you know, yeah, okay, maybe Tony kind of, you know, uh, exaggerated the numbers a bit. But still, I mean, it was still one of the biggest gates in pro wrestling history. Nobody can ever take that away from them. They're doing it again next year. So I don't know. This this year is going to be hard to top, I will say. Um, but, you know, I, I think overall it deserves to be in the number one spot because I don't think there was anything better. I mean, yeah, you know, you can always make some arguments in yeah. some of the matches that we discussed, um, uh, events that we discussed were better. But I just think uh, from top to bottom, this was a really, really enjoyable show. And just the magnitude of it, like you yeah. said, I think it deserves to be in the number one spot just because of that alone. Uh, yeah. The the thing the, oh, the th- another thing about it too about just all in in general and I guess Tony Khan like elevating some of the numbers I mean like I think a lot of people do that right like uh, mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of companies they you know they bump up the numbers but still it's over seventy thousand people right that that's that's quite an achievement that that's something that people shouldn't knock or anything like that and I know a lot of people even going into the show um, when the tickets first went on sale and stuff like that. A lot of people are like, oh, they can't. They're not gonna do more than twenty thousand. Then twenty thousand became thirty thousand. Thirty thousand became forty thousand. Fifty thousand. Sixty thousand. And it was looking like they could do it. And to me, in my book, I still think they did it. I went on record and saying, like, if they could draw more than forty thousand people, to me, that's that's a win already. And they did over seventy thousand people. Great for them. An awesome achievement. I know Tony Khan talks about that in literally every press scrum when he, he wants to, you know, just talk how <laughs> he'll, great never, he'll never, uh, he'll never, he'll, he'll never talk, he'll never stop talking about that. But I think as of right now, if I'm not mistaken, because tickets did go on sale for next year, mm-hmm. I think they're up to 30,000 tickets, which, listen, this is a show that's happening next year. That's, that's, that's something. That's telling something. So clearly the UK, they, they're into this and they want to, they want to, they want this. So the fact that they're selling 30,000 30, tickets and there's no matches announced, no nothing. Everything is just speculation. It's telling a lot. So do I think they could do 70,000 again? It's going to be hard, but I don't. I wouldn't rule it out. Listen, Dave says that they want to do this show every single year at Wembley Stadium every single year. The attendance is just going to go down every year. It's just kind of how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. I don't think they should do this show every single year in Wembley. If they want to do a giant stadium show, bring it at the O2 at the O2 Arena or something. Yeah, if you want to keep it in in London, do something like that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think they could keep doing Wembley every single year. I think it's going to get old pretty fast. And I think, you know, they did a good good first hand ticket sales. And you know, what was it last week or whatever? But uh, I don't know, man. I just think Tony Khan's getting a little greedy now. He just thinks he's going to be able to, you know, keep these things going. And I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. If, if he's going to, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, final category, guys. Final category, ladies and gentlemen. Male wrestler of 2023, okay? Coming in at number 10. A couple years ago, you might have thought we were crazy putting this guy in our top 10 list, but listen, he's an incredible wrestler. Even though he's a gimmick, he's an incredible wrestler. And this year alone, I think he proved all the naysayers at. And that's my guy, Orange Cassidy. Coming in number 10, he had an incredible run as international champion. And he's been having incredible matches all year round, man. And I don't think nobody can knock that. Yes, does he have a stick? Yes. Does he have a gimmick? Yes. But he's an incredible performer, and he can, continues to showcase that every single time. Yeah, I mean, it's no denying what he did with the international title. I mean, I guess what he's still doing with the international title um, is just unbelievable. It's 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 he elevated that belt more than anybody probably ever will. And uh, just banger after banger after banger. And I don't think anybody ever saw him becoming one of the best champions in AEW history. I, I really I just I just never 
never could have pictured him be a champion regardless, you know. Um, but he has really come into his own and shocked a lot of people. And, hey, had an unbelievable year. I don't know how he's going to be able to top this year, next year, or, or beyond because, uh, you know, this was a real breakout for him, I guess you could say. Yeah, so. 1,000%. Coming to number nine, he's the current intercontinental champion, and that's my guy Gunther. The ring, the ring general. Another guy, going back to last year, has been having incredible matches with a shit ton of names: Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, Matt Riddle, The Miz. Like the the list just goes on and on, and he's really elevated this intercontinental championship, kind of like Orange Cassidy did with the international title. So, mm-hmm. Gunther, I think he's going to be in this list next year, and. He's another guy I could see next year maybe becoming world champion, man. Um, I don't see how he can't become world champion. Uh, The guy could wrestle. It could be a super heavyweight like him. It could be like a guy that's lighter than him, smaller than him, more of a cruiserweight. It doesn't matter. He adapts to all the styles, and he just beats the bricks out of you. All right, so Gunther's coming in at number nine. Yeah, it's almost like he should be higher on this list, right? Like, I mean, that's – but that's how – um, we have a we had a tough list here, man. It's it's really hard, but I mean, he's had an unbelievable year. He is one of the best things going on WWE television at this point. I don't think anybody should beat him for the Intercontinental Title. I think he should just at some point, you know, just say he wins the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, I don't love when when guys do this because I guess <laughs> just, in kayfabe sense it doesn't make sense. Just throw it like Samoa Joe, just like get out of here. Yeah, I I really think he should just relinquish the title and go down as like the greatest champion to never be beat, and then win the world title, and then you know. Obviously, you know, when he eventually loses the world title, somebody will beat him for that. But I don't think anybody should beat him for the IC title. I just, I don't really, again, they they missed their boat, I feel like, on Chad Gable. And yes. it's like, who who else is left, you know? Yes, like, I, I forgot about the Chad Gable match. Chad Gable, uh, Bronson Reed, like the list goes on and on, man. He's been having an incredible oh, match God. with so many different people. Yeah, it's it's been incredible. He's, he's on quite the run right now, so. All right, come in number eight. A guy that we talked about a lot in this year's Luchis, all right? He's been having incredible matches, and I... I've been on record saying that I think the guy has a death wish because not only does he put on incredible matches, but he puts on incredible matches as he's hurt, as he's hurt, and that's Brian Danielson, Zack Zaber Jr., um, MJF, Anarchy in the Arena. He can't even do the hardcore shit. It doesn't even fucking matter with him. Um, this guy just fucking kills it all the fucking time, man. Um, and he's talking about he wants to kind of like not tie up his career and end his career, but he's gonna like become more of a part time wrestler i mean like and then now he's in the continental classic too so like i get why he's saying that but at the same time now i'm starting not to even believe him i think like he's just gonna keep going and going bro i know man he's uh listen if we do only have him for one more year as a full-time performer and let me tell you he's going to go he's already going balls to the wall crazy and nuts man and doing so he's many wrestling with one fucking eye <laughs> one eye he's wrestling every week in this round robin tournament and he's gonna go to Japan to face Okada. Like he's just not stopping at all, man. He's, uh, he's a freak. He's unbelievable. We love him. Um, he's a maniac, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of the best wrestlers, if not the best wrestler in the world. I mean, obviously not if he's not number one on our list, but he's, uh, undoubtedly one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, The thing is you could still be the best wrestler in the world, but be ranked lower than it all depends what kind of year you're having. Right. Yeah, Yeah. It all really depends on the year you're having. And, while Brian Danielson is one of the best wrestlers in the world, just compared to other people on this list, 
they're just not at the same level this year. That doesn't mean that he's a lesser wrestler than somebody else or nothing like that. He's still considered one of the best wrestlers in the world, you know? Of course. Totally agree. Coming at number seven, we're going to also stay with the Blackpool Combat Club, and we're going to talk about John Moxley, another guy that wrestles every fucking style, another guy that can't fucking take a vacation. You might even say he has a death wish, all right, because he bleeds in every single match, and some people get tired of that. With that being said, not only is he a great wrestler, but he's a guy that when shit goes bad, when shit goes south, when shit goes wrong in AEW, who do you call? You call John <laughs> Moxley because he'll save yep. the fucking day, and that's why he deserves to be on this list. Yeah, John Moxley, just incredible. The heart and soul of AEW. I'll always say that, man. He is uh he's the MVP of of that entire company. Uh always will be, always steps up, always delivers, and uh, you know, always must see in everything he does. So yeah, Mox, how could he not be on this list? Coming in at number six, we're gonna also stay with AEW and a guy that we could also say he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's he's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, and that's Kenny Omega. The only reason he's coming in at number six is because if you look at Throughout this whole year, he's been in a lot of multi-man matches. He's done. He did the trio stuff, and yes, we saw him in some singles matches too. Obviously, he was in. He was part in our match of the year, right? But he's just had better years as a singles wrestler. That's why I couldn't rank him as high as previous years. But he still needed to be in this list. That's why Kenny Omega's coming in number six. Yeah, Kenny Omega, man. Just I mean, what more can you say about him, right? Best in the world, best bout machine. Yep. But uh, you know. Hopefully he has a, a big 2024 now doing his singles thing. His match with MJF was great. I mean, you could always, like I said, the Osprey stuff we mentioned. I mean, he's just unbelievable. And I know he's getting up there in age a little bit, but uh, he's still the best bout machine for a reason. So, 1,000%. Coming in at number five, we're going to take it back to WWE. And even with defeat at WrestleMania and couldn't finish his story, I still, that didn't really take nothing away with the popularity and just how much of a great year Cody Rhodes has been having. Even when sometimes you feel Cody Rhodes has been in limbo with some like the Dominic stuff or whatever. And it's like, why did the Brock Lesnar feud even happen right after WrestleMania? But other than that, just from winning the Royal Rumble, then having the match at WrestleMania with Roman Reigns, regardless how we feel about the finish, the match was really, really good. And then the, the series of Brock Lesnar matches and then, him being in a tag team randomly with Jey Uso and then him building a, a, a super friend slash Avengers team at War Games. I really thought Cody Rhodes had a really, really good year. And I know a lot of people expected him to finish the story, but I think that story might be finished next year. And I, Cody Rhodes definitely belongs in this list. And that's why he's coming in number five. Yeah, I was wondering how they're going to keep him hot after losing to rest at WrestleMania to Roman Reigns. Um, I think they did a fine job with keeping him, you know, I mean, his momentum going. He's still the hottest act in the company. He's still, you know, over. Um, and it looks like, you know, their plan of, like, having him finish the story next year at WrestleMania 40 in Philly uh, will end up being, I guess, I don't know, I can say the right decision, but it will work out. You know, a lot of people questioned after when he lost to WrestleMania, how he's going to keep that momentum. Is he going to be red hot like he was this year, next year? I think he will be. I still think people are going to be uh, chomping at the bit for him to become the undisputed WWE Universal Champ. I think it has to happen. Uh, I mean, come on, let's let's be real now. How is this not going to happen? I know I saw some people say, well, you know, Roman Reigns still hasn't broken, you know, uh, Hulk, Hulk Hogan's record or wh whoever it was. You know, I don't know. Whatever record he still needs to break. Enough with the records, all right? This guy's not around. He does not need to be the champion. Enough, okay? He's already one of the best champions ever in company history. Enough is enough. Cody Rhodes needs to be the next champ. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what he does at the Rumble and beyond. But 
yeah, I mean, Cody, obviously, he's uh, one of the most musty parts of WWE. He's been all year. You brought an interesting point here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it right when we talk about number four. And number four, it's interesting because he came in number one last year, and this year he's number four, and that's the Tribal Chief, the undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion, Roman Reigns. I remember last year when I was building this up, we played the song, I was doing the gimmick, you know, the like every moniker, needle mover, tribal chief, the head of the table, blah, 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 guy mode himself. Yeah, you know, looking back now, you, you know, you mentioned how WWE still did a really good job of keeping Cody Rhodes like, like he didn't lose any steam, right? Even though he was kind of put in programs where we kind of didn't really want to watch, but he didn't lose any steam. Like he's still like the most popular wrestler in WWE, right? And that's saying a lot now still. You hear the pops that he's fucking getting, right? He's still getting... Those pops have not changed whatsoever. Oh, yeah. It Now, looking back at it, and is what you said there, it's like you look back at that main event of night two of WrestleMania 39, you know, Roman Reigns' win against Cody Rhodes probably did more damage to himself than it did to Cody Rhodes. Honestly, yeah. If you look... If you weird to say. It's weird to say, but just looking at it, you're like, damn, maybe it wasn't the right call. Because, like, all the stars aligned, even though I kind of said, like, I don't think this was a sure thing. But, you know, we wait. Now we're waiting a year. But Roman Reigns doesn't feel like Roman Reigns he did in 2022, right? And there's a lot of factors to that, right? One, let's point out the obvious. The repetitive same fucking finish in every single match with the interference, right? But also, the bloodline's not intact anymore. And we haven't really gotten any, like, developing story with the bloodline. Hey, I went... I, I said it before. I think I said it um, on, quote-unquote, yesterday's episode. I said that the fact that we haven't gotten the fatal four-way between all the bloodline, I don't understand why, how we didn't get... We haven't gotten that yet. Like, how's that not a thing yet? Like, are they gonna tell that at the Chamber of Elimination next year in Australia or... Maybe the Rumble? I don't think so, because it seems like we're going to get like a Randy Orton and Roman Reigns program. If I, if I was a betting man, it, that's, it, it seems like that's the direction we're going to go into the uh, Royal Rumble, right? But when are we going to tell this fatal four-way story? After Roman drops the title? I mean, you can still tell that story, but is it still going to have like the same like you know, like the same like type of clout like it would have if it had the title? I don't know if it, it will. So... Ultimately, I think when it comes to Roman Reigns and WrestleMania 39, I think the win over Cody did more damage to him than it did to Cody Rhodes. So he's coming in number four. It's really, really a a very solid point. And I love that you pointed that out. I mean, yeah, listen, I don't know, man. I just feel like uh, he just doesn't need to be holding his belt right now. And, And the less time he's there, the worse it gets. I mean, listen, like, I know he's a special attraction whenever he shows up, right? And, like, it makes you appreciate him more. But I think he doesn't need to be the champion, uh, you know, like, for for as much as he shows up. And, I, you know, again, I'll always say that that was the worst decision ever to have him retain at WrestleMania 39. Even if they redeem themselves with having Cody win at Mania 40, it's still the terrible decision. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's low on this list. I mean, you know, low for him, for his standards, right? For a reason, you know, and it's because of everything you pointed out. So I couldn't agree more. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess we're not going to see him now until, oh no, he's returning next week on SmackDown, right? I think I saw, I was going to say, maybe I don't think we're going to see him until the Rumble, but I don't know. I can't even tell you the last time he was on, on TV and it's just, uh, 
I love Roman. I really do. I love Roman too. Listen, I'm I'm a guy that raises their one up. I'm one of those guys, yeah. all right? I'll raise a one up, but I also got to be realistic and I got to be honest here. Yeah. That, you know, looking back at it now and it's crazy that I guess that's the purpose of the show, right? Especially the Luchis where we're kind of just recapping like, like a whole year because if you think about it yes we're breaking down the top 10 of each category but we're also kind of recapping what happened throughout the year you know kind of mm-hmm. hit me like when you mentioned the whole like hey wwe did a good job with cody Rhodes, right now i'm I'm looking at it like yeah that that win over cody i think did more damage to roman than it did to cody Rhodes because listen judgment day took over that spot of the bloodline they're the yeah, hottest story going in wwe right <laughs> Now you have all these different things, too. You want to talk about special attractions. I mean, you could make the argument that CM Punk's now a special attraction, right? Yeah. Roman Reigns, this this um, this 2023, at least from WrestleMania to on, not saying that it doesn't... It has lost some steam, and it doesn't feel as special and great as it once did before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of factors play into that. So we'll see what happens next year. And then also... Who's to say what's going to happen when ultimately Roman Reigns does lose the title, right? Because the the story has been kind of stale also. So I think fantasy booking here, and this is not, you know, and we'll go into three, two, and one. Who's to say that after Roman Reigns drops the title, you don't see him for a while. And then, I don't know, maybe we tell a punk and Roman story where Roman's a face. I don't fucking know. There's there's so many directions they could go here. But um, yes, I think Roman has lost a little bit of that, that magic. Yeah, no, for sure. I 100% agree. All right, coming to number three, we talk about special attractions, right? Even though this guy's a full-time guy in AEW and he is the current AEW world champion, the Triple B, MJF, he gets treated like a special attraction too, right? Because he doesn't wrestle every week. He doesn't wrestle all the time. But the difference is he's always there nine times out of ten. Unless it's like a big title defense and he's beat up and he won't show up, he'll miss like a dynamite or something. Nine Mm. times out of ten, he's always there. So... Unlike Roman, he's still part of the conversation. He's not even wrestling. Now let's talk about his his let's talk about his wrestling run that he's been on this year. Greatest Iron Man match of all time. He had an incredible fatal four way at Double or Nothing. All right, with the with the pillars where I, at this point I don't even think the pillars exist because they, <laughs> MJF has just blew them out of the water. All right, he has the all in main event with Adam Cole. Prior to that, he had another match with Adam Cole that was incredible. Okay. He had a match with Kenny Omega on Collision. He also had a great match with Samoa Joe at at um at Grand Slam. All right, he's been having incredible matches all the time, and he's doing very minimal if you think about it. Right, and, oh, let's talk about Jay White. He had a match with Jay White, even though I hated the story they told throughout the pay per view. But that pay per view match delivered. Him and Jay White put on a banger. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that he's not like he's not gonna necessarily wow you like. He's not going to do like these crazy moves, but he could do it if he wants to. And he has done it when it means something. So MJF is coming at number three. Incredible year the guy has been on. Yeah, yeah. He's he's become one of the top performers in the industry, man. No shot this guy is leaving AEW, uh, you know, when his contract is up. I already think he signed an extension. He's great. He's delivered every single pay-per-view match, every single big match that he's been in this year. Like you said, you just mentioned all of them. Like, he's delivered every single time even when the you know the iwc is very down on him and critical of him like how they were before that iron man match with brian danielson they said he couldn't he can't go an hour with brian danielson he proved them wrong 
you know, the dog collar match, he proved everybody wrong. Like, he's had some of the best matches you could possibly have. And uh, what an incredible, incredible talent. Long Island represent, man. It's crazy. I used, oh, to watch yeah. I used to watch this guy like 20 minutes from my house, like doing his thing early on in the indies. And uh, man, to see the star that he's become, it's pretty incredible. So, yeah, let's see what happens at World's End and beyond. But yeah, MJF is a special, special talent. And he's not going anywhere. He's sticking in with AEW. But for years to come, this guy's going to be uh, at the top of the card for sure. All right, coming in number two. Listen, number one and number two, they're interchangeable in my opinion, okay? Um, I, I was always leaning with the person that we decided to go with number one, but you can make the argument for this individual to be number one as well, and that's the current world heavyweight champion, Seth freaking Rollins. Man, this version of Seth Rollins has blew every previous incarnation of Seth Rollins in the past, and this guy... He just found it, man. He found who he's supposed to be in WWE with the theme song, with the kind of Joker, kind of unhinged-esque character, but then sometimes could be like very serious and cut straight to the point. And on top of that, you know, you can make the argument he doesn't even need the world title anymore because he's just a made guy, you know? Yeah. And he's done an incredible job kind of building this championship as well. He's like the workhorse champion. He's defending it against Jey Uso, Drew McIntyre, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Finn Balor. When he won the title, he had an incredible match with AJ Styles at Money in the Sand at Night of Champions. Um, on top of that, WrestleMania, he had the match with Logan Paul. And then he just had some so many incredible moments, too. Like, I remember at the Royal Rumble, too. When he was in the Rumble, he had those moments with Cody Rhodes and Edge where he has, like, previous history with. So, Seth Rollins just has been having an incredible 2023, man. And... Like I said, you want to make the argument he could be your number one? I wouldn't disagree with you because Seth Rollins, he's that guy right now. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He's on an incredible run with the World Heavyweight Championship. Always delivers one of like the most consistent performer in WWE for years. I mean, like he's, you know, I know he's, Roman's like the top dog, but like Seth Rollins is right there, man. Like he is always there. He's always like he's a company guy. He's always like defending the company um he's always always wrestling you know all the time even as the world champ on raw all the time and you can always count on this guy man he's just uh on another level he's so good at what he does obviously the the gimmick the theme song everything just fits everything works he's done everything that they have asked him to do you know and he i don't think he I, I hope he gets that main event at WrestleMania this year at least he deserves one. it especially um, if this if we think the story they're gonna tell it deserves yeah. the WrestleMania main event spot. I mean, he deserves it, man. He really has. I won't say he's gotten shit, but like you know, just when you think he de he deserves to be in a main event spot, it's like all right, here he's working with Logan Paul in the, in the middle of the card. You know, like he just he deserves more. Um, and he's really just like I said, losing to Cody Rhodes all those times last year. He's just a selfish, selfish, selfless guy. Yeah. And um. Listen, he deserves his flowers. So I think a big program with CM Punk is going to do wonders for him and it's going to get him that main event spot. I hope so. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I agree. If, if people wanted to put him at number one, he's absolutely deserving to be in that spot too. Yeah, man. This whole Seth Rollins CM Punk story that they're they're already planting the seeds on, um, it, it's, it's got me really excited, man. Because like I said, when it's all about congratulations, you played yourself, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't have gotten this with AEW, you know, with CM yeah. Punk. And like, let's say FTR, right? You know, feuding with the elite for months. And there's so many different stories and so many different pairings and so many different scenarios and so many different things you could like throw in there where you could kind of bleed into some reality there and some backstage stuff. Just bring that shit 
and make a story out of it. Some of the best wrestling programs is when there's some truth behind it and when there's yeah. some reality behind it. And nine times out of ten, it all works out. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for AEW. But now, I think CM Punk and Seth Rollins could create magic here, man. And Absolutely. I can, and I can only imagine the, the the promos they will have with each other and the match they could give us at WrestleMania and that that crowd atmosphere is going to be nuts. And guess what? They're both very deserving to have that WrestleMania main event spot. Absolutely. 100%. Listen, when real life heat plays in factor into storylines, it just makes everything that much better. So I can't wait for that. All right. With that being said, in our final category, Male Wrestler of the Year 2023. like how I did with the match I played his heel theme and yeah. for his his getting this getting this number one spot I play his current theme. Love it. Listen, it's been so many years that I've been wanting Will Osprey to get this number one spot and for whatever reason, while he his has always been one of the best wrestlers in the world, is just you know some some guys just have been having better years than he has in past years, right? This year, I just think it just couldn't have gone to anyone else, in my opinion. Um, not only did he kill it in New Japan, right? Especially the stuff with Omega and, and stuff like that. And his run as United States, UK, whatever. Your sister's ass championship and IWGP, whatever, right? But he's been showing up in AEW. He's been showing up in Impact. He's been doing independence. Like, this guy's just been all over the place. He's still going to fucking... He signed to AEW, right? Not only is he going to wrap up his New Japan stuff... But he's also going to show up in TNA in early January. So, like, this guy has just been going, performing, having so many different matches with Kenny Omega and then Mike Bailey. And, and the list just goes on and on. Chris Jericho, he was at all in. Like, come on. Like, this guy is more than deserving to be that number one wrestler of the year. And I just think nobody else has killed it more than he has. Um, and now he's signed with AEW, right? So, I'm really curious to see how he gets booked. That's my biggest concern because we already know what he could do in the ring, right? Um, but the fact that he loves New Japan so much, I think that's an another reason why he decided to stick with AEW because he could always go back to New Japan if he wants to. Um, you know, selfishly, it kind of does, you know, it's just like, damn, you know, Will Ospreay was kind of like one of the last reasons I was still watching New Japan, right? Just to watch, tune into his matches and stuff. Now we're mm -hmm. not going to get that necessarily anymore. But also, I'm happy that now... Hopefully, if they book him right, we're going to see Will Ospreay more often in our AEW TV. And, you know, the list goes on and on with the type of matches you can have with people. You know, like, I still want to see a sequel to the Orange Cassidy match, right? I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, I want to see the trilogy with Kenny Omega. Let me Give me an MJF match. Give me a match with him and Edge. Like, there's so many different matches he could have in AEW, and I hope they use him right. And Will Ospreay is our number one wrestler of the year. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody... <laughs> You know, I mean, really, he's he's at the top of his game. He had an unbelievable year. Um, he's only getting better. Yeah, I think he's – I'm really happy that he's number one here. He absolutely deserves to be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what more can you really say? I mean, you know, you just watch the guy. You're in awe of him and the things that he could do. And it's crazy to think about a couple of years ago when he was so, like, reckless in the ring, you know, so injured so many times. And the way he's kind of, like, changed up his style – 
um, really just did wonders for the guy. And now he knows how to wrestle in a safe way. I mean, even though, you know, there's some spots too that make you cringe here and there, but um, really, I think he can have a great match with literally anybody. And I'm so happy to see him signed to AEW. I think that's a perfect place for him to be. The amount of matches and the opponents that we can get, I mean, it's the amount is endless. So I think he's going to be booked fine. I trust in Tony Khan. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see him do TNA, I guess. You know, he wants to do TNA, and he's, I think he's facing um, Josh and Alexander again. Yep. And I heard that was a good match the first time around. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I hope he still does big-time New Japan shows because, of course, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Will Ospreay is just some some talent, man. He is, he is so special. And, uh, I mean, really, what more can you say about the guy? He's, he's just tremendous. It really is, man. And that's it, bro. That's our recap of 2023. And, yes, I know the year is not over yet. We still have World's End. And who's to say? There might be a match that happens there. We're like, all right, we might have to revamp our <laughs> list and just, you know, make a little – you know, adjusting, but um, yeah, that was our year, man. The the Lucci's twenty twenty three is over, and Leo, do you have any final thoughts of just this year overall? It's been a long two days. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Ryan, any any thoughts before we wrap this up? No, just uh, you know, if this is our last show, you know, TBD. But if this is our last show, another great year of doing shows and. Uh, you know, it was a great year for pro wrestling, and uh, man, just grateful to you know be another year down on the lucha as part of the lucha outsiders. It's crazy how I've lost track. I don't know if it's been two years already or not, but I think it has been two years mm-hmm. uh, that I've been a part of the show. So thank you guys for bringing me aboard. It's been fun, and uh, 2024 will just continue rolling on. And uh, you know, I hope I can get out to to Jersey a couple of times. You know, I know life's been hectic and things yeah. have been crazy, but. Uh, yeah, it's been fun, and I hope I hope everybody listening has has enjoyed it because uh, we've enjoyed putting shows together for you. Yeah, man. Uh, the last episode we did not not Lucci's not the Lucci's part one, but the last episode we did, you know, I went on a not a tirade, but I just kind of talked about like the evolution of Lucha Outsiders, and it's like now, listen, life can be very very hectic, and there's a lot of politics that I don't like to play when it comes to the wrestling world, right? So mm-hmm. that's why I, I just can't do a press scrum because I hate most of these fucking people, right? Like, I just can't deal with them, right? And this is just an outlet just to talk about our opinions and our fantasy booking ideas and just kind of laugh and make fun of stuff. And, you know, whoever listens to it, listens to it. And whoever hates our opinions, they could hate on it too. Like, I just do this for fun. I do this because I like to have conversations about wrestling with, like, smart people. That's why I do this. You know, I'm not doing this to make money or anything like that. I mean, I wish I could, but I just, my life schedule, it just doesn't work out that way. That's why I'm kind of like one foot in, one foot out when it comes to, you know, just podcasting and just doing this. But I do love doing this. Don't get me wrong. I love doing this and I love talking about wrestling. And just like the fun of starting a list in the beginning of the year and just noting down all this other shit that happens throughout the year. Like, yo, I have to like really keep in track like what happens the year because some of this shit I would forget too. Like, I forgot this happened this year. So just to be allowed to do this and just started this journey with Leo and just to evolve to where we are now. And, you know, Ryan, you've been on board for almost two years now. It's just been it's been a fun ride. And I just like to have these conversations. Whoever listens to it, listen to it. And for yeah, those people, it. for those people that do listen to it, I appreciate you. And I hope you enjoy this year's Lucci Awards. And I think that's it. I think we're wrapped up. So this might be the final episode of the year. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll do something else. Right. Maybe we won't. But this is how we're going to end this. I'm going to end this with just trolling y'all, right? Because I feel like <laughs> this is how we should end the show by playing this. But 
For the old man Leo, that's not for that is here. He's he yeah, just yeah. came back. I'm here. For our double Ryan radar, I'm your truly Mr. Radar. Till next time or next year, keep your radar on, stay too sweet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> fitting. That's it. We'll see ya. Uh,